0: Hi there everybody my name is Karen Abramson and I live here in Israel but I'm originally from England. I have been keeping a diary since I was a very young girl and every single day I record what's happened during the day. Of course this year 2020 is a very unusual year. This is my Covid diary. I want to share this with you my Covid diary and I hope that you would like to share your Covid diary with me. Hi everybody, welcome back to Karen's COVID Diaries and here we are again, I'm going to give you episode two of my COVID journey and I'm delighted to once again have Rob Curtis join me tonight.
1: I'm really delighted to be back and um, just hearing everyone's feedback from the first episode, you've really hit a chord with people's emotions because I don't think yet people have registered and actually understood what the last eight nine months have been for everybody on the planet ultimately. So I am delighted to be back with you and talking about the next stage in the Karen Covid Diaries and it takes us all the way back through to February the 12th I believe. Um, You'd just come back from Thailand, you'd had another magical holiday um, but you were hearing of this virus, no one was really sure what it was, what the impact was still at that stage, certainly in sort of the Western world, um, and you land back in Israel. So take us back to February the 12th, Karen.
0: Okay, so we arrived home February the 12th, we arrived home early in the morning, and I'm going to read actually from my diary that I hit the ground running, running shopping, picking up the dog, etc. Weather was so miserable. But by this afternoon, the sun came out and I was able to take Marquis, my dog, for a walk on my beautiful beach. Yes, it's great to be home. And did loads of cooking and baking in preparation for Nicola, that's my daughter, her arrival tomorrow. So February the 13th, did loads stay, including going to Jerusalem, shopping, and then to Tel Aviv to have my colour done, a great necessity, of course. And the news is not good. The virus named COVID-19 Seems to be claiming lives everywhere. Not so many here in Israel, thank God, but certainly in, Israel, in Europe. Nicola arrived tonight. She wasn't feeling too good and looks very washed out and has a hacking cough. Tally is also here and Zach came from Jerusalem. They are so happy to see each other and excited for their wedding next month.
1: So Tully is your granddaughter and she's due to get married to Zach in the next month and they're seeing each other whilst they're, they're here on, uh, on a short vacation to see you together with your, your daughter Nicola, who's not feeling well at this stage. Was there any indication this might be the dreaded virus at this stage? Were you even thinking that way?
0: Not at all. I, d- I, don't, I don't know why. I think, isn't it funny with these sort of situations, you don't think it's going to actually affect you. So no, why should, why should Nicola have the virus? She's got a cough, that's all. Uh, but things started to progress. Um, February the 14th, we had a beautiful Shabbat, we had a Shabbat dinner with Nicola, Talley and Zach, even though Nicola was still really not feeling well. And by Shabbat, even though the weather was really hot and we sat in the garden, it was February, it was magnificent, the weather was fabulous. Nicola took a terrible turn for the worse. So Martin, my husband, took her to the doctor and she has got bronchitis. Well, so we thought, Gosh, but it was a little bit strange because February the 16th, she, Nicola really wasn't well enough to go with Tally and Zach to Jerusalem to buy things for their apartment. So the two of them went off together on their own and they got quite a lot done in Ikea. But by February the 7th, Nicola was really, really bad, very weak, coughing, no fever. And I'm just taking care of her here in the house Although I must admit, I went to Tel Aviv for a fitting for my dress for the wedding and I must say, it's lovely. And then I went (laughs) to have a haircut and I must say, I feel much better uh, than I did before. I can assure you that. And I came back.
1: Nicola Nicola had been here for for five days at that point. It's March the 17th. Sorry, February
0: the 17th. Yeah, she'd been been there since about four days. And she really, really seemed to be going downhill. And then on, on the 18th, I went with Tally and Zach to uh, Jerusalem and left Martin in charge of Nicola. And I got a, a call from um, I got a call from Martin to say you've got to come back quickly. Nicola has collapsed in the uh, in the Turan Square in um in Herzliya, and I'm really very, very concerned about her. Oh. T- Sorry.
1: Wow, so you get this dramatic phone call and you're in Jerusalem with your Granddaughter and grandson to be, um, and or grandson-in-law to be rather, and you get this most shocking call that Nicola is 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 unwell and has fainted.
0: Yeah. So um, Martin took her to the doctor, to our local doctor, but he obviously thought it was the virus, so wouldn't let her in his house, and he literally came outside. She couldn't stand anyway. He came to the car. And he um he talked to her through the car. So he said the only thing you can do is take her to the hospital. But I don't know, you know, whether that's a good idea.
1: Could could you believe at this stage that already the behavior of people was dynamically changing? You had doctors unwilling to be in direct contact with a patient who hadn't been tested for COVID at this stage, was unwell, but already the behavioral pattern was I'm seeing you from the car. I mean, this is bizarre to
0: us totally bizarre but yes that's exactly what happened and I couldn't I actually could not believe I couldn't believe that that could happen that he could do that but he was frightened he was scared everybody was suddenly getting a little bit cautious things were changing things were moving along anyway fortunately um I, I mean I put in my diary here that I was I'm very worried about her. maybe she has this virus they're all talking about But then she took a turn for the better, thank God, and she was able to fly home the next
1: day. She needed to fly home.
0: After all, her daughter was getting married very, very
1: shortly. So she... she... Just, Just before you carry on, Karen, you mentioned there in your diary this virus that everyone's talking about. Now, I remember I was actually in New York and Washington at the beginning of March, and it was still something that was new in the media, they knew that this thing was happening, but the way you've described it in your diary also gives us a sense that we just didn't know what was happening and and it was something that was happening, but we didn't know.
0: Exactly, well, the word China kept on coming out, didn't it? We were all hearing about China, so we thought that it was only the Chinese that were really getting, we were all just taking precautions because the fact is, I didn't know anybody at that stage who had COVID-19 and you probably didn't either. Most of our friends in, in the Western world did not know anybody and so, yeah, it was a little bit sort of not happening to us. So we just thought Nicola's got a very bad dose of the flu. As it happens, I can tell you that she didn't have the virus. She did not have the virus. And um, she just had a very, very bad virus, but not the virus,
1: if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. so, so carry on. Take us take us through to the next stage.
0: Okay, so um, now we're on to February the 27th. I'll read from my diary. Went to Jerusalem as per my normal Thursday. Um, uh, Did charity work packing food for terror victims, which is something I do every Thursday morning. And then I went to Mahni Yehuda, my favourite market in all the world. It's hard to put into words how much I love walking through the market, sampling the food and buying loads of fresh fruit and vegetables and cheese, fish and flowers. Popped into Tally and Zach's flat and did a couple of things for them. Tonight we went out for dinner. It was great to dress up and have a fun night out with
1: great atmosphere. And the, the, the marketplace itself, obviously, for those that know, Machane Yehuda is a quintessential Middle Eastern shook marketplace. Thousands of people all on top of each other. The most incredible produce piled up. Everyone sort of haggling and bartering and getting their best deal. At this stage, the market's in full swing, right? There's no restrictions per se.
0: In full swing, not a mask to be seen, of course, we haven't started with mass yet. And uh, yeah, just the normal Mahni of Thursday madness, you know, it's fabulous, I love it.
1: The world we we knew. The
0: world we knew in the old world. So now we've I've sort of like, it's now March the 1st. And I, I'm reading from my diary again. Flew to Manchester via Frankfurt this morning. and really weird. There are so many people at the airport wearing masks and people were crowding on top of each other. Something to do with keeping a distance from people to stop the spread of the virus, which apparently is very contagious. Arrived in Manchester and I had to wait to the airport for two hours as my cases hadn't made the plane and my dress for the wedding was in my case. So I waited until the next flight came in with my bags on it. Rushed home, unpacked quickly and ran round to Nicholas to see the kids who were thrilled to see me. Ruth, that's my sister, picked me up and we went to see my mum at the uh, Belong Care Home. I was sad. I noticed quite a big change in her. She was happy to see me, but has definitely gone a little downhill. Boy, I'm exhausted tonight. So lovely to get into my beautiful warm bath and my lovely soft bed.
1: I love that in your diary, so far, some of the observations that I've really sort of noticed is you're someone who is very keen on noting what the weather was like and the weather and sunshine and the, the mood of the weather is important to you. And, and also just the detail around how you're feeling. This is a, a living diary that, you know, it, as we said in the first episode, this will be a, a living legacy that, you know, in future generations of the Abramson family, they'll be able to look back at great, 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 great grandma Karen and, and understand what you said and how you felt, and the type of person you were.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Yes, I I am very keen. I like warm weather, not very good with the cold weather. Don't (laughs) like rain. And I like being happy. I like being happy. And I'll tell you what, I think getting up in the morning, being able to take, put two feet out of the bed, and walk across the room and open the curtains. That's what happiness is to me. So March the 2nd and 3rd, spent most of the days with mum. And I think by the time I left her, she was definitely much better, happier and more with it and more like my mummy. Yanni and I got the train down to London. Yoni's my son, my youngest son. Uh, we got the train down to London together this afternoon and I'm now at Andrew and Yanni's house. The boys were so happy to see me. They are th- three little bundle of uh, bundles of fun and energy. This is Andrew and Yanni's children. Um, they're, they're gorgeous little boys. And Andrew and Yanni were actually going on holiday and that's why I was going to London to babysit.
1: Oh, wow. So you're actually being uh, chief cook and bottle washer for these three little boys whilst uh, the parents are having fun in, where were they going?
0: Marrakesh.
1: Oh, lovely.
0: So just briefly, they, they went to Marrakesh and they were they were really needed, a, it was a very well-earned rest. Unfortunately, Angela called me to check on the boys after about a day and a half or whatever, well, she phoned me every day, but this particular day she phoned me and she said to me that Yoni was really not well. So I said, uh-uh, what's his symptoms? He's got a sore throat, um, a little bit of a cough, and he's got a fever. Right, okay. And she said, this is a great second honeymoon. I'm sort of sitting here reading a book while he's asleep. It's very, very boring. So I felt terribly sorry for her. But she was so looking forward to it. And um, unfortunately, it didn't quite work out like that. And every day, he wasn't getting better, really. He wasn't really getting better. Until about um, the day before... They were due to come home. He started to improve. Um, although he said that he's still still got aching bones and shivery.
1: Mm, not good. Not good.
0: Not good at all. So I was thinking, oh no, please don't have the virus. If you have the virus, you won't be able to get home. I don't think I could looking after these boys for another week. <laughs> I hope you're not missing Angela, because that's not true. You know, I love looking after the children. Anyway, they arrived home and Johnny said, he he said, actually, I don't feel too good still. So I gave him a big kiss and a cuddle. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh dear.
0: Oh dear, big kiss and cuddle and had something ready to eat for them. And then he said, I think I'll phone the NHS line, which he did, but it was very, very, very different to what goes on now, I presume. I don't, I actually don't know what the system is in in England. I know it is in Israel, but in England. So he phoned the NHS line and they asked him a few questions. Of which she said no to all of them except for the fever that he did have and she's right you're fine you haven't got it this girl on the phone told Johnny that he didn't have the virus as it turns out he did have the virus
1: wow okay so i mean it's now we're all trained epidemiologists and virology experts and uh but then i mean we were going on such little information um and there were you know limited testing especially in the uk and and he had it but they told him he didn't, I mean.
0: Absolutely, well, they, t- they haven't examined him or taken a test or done anything. So anyway, those are very, very early days. Anyway, after that, I went back to Manchester and I arrived in Manchester and it was, um, I put in my diary here, Martin is on his way to Manchester and he's very emotional. It looks like Israel is about to go into lockdown. Does that mean we won't be able to get home? Really stressing. Do I really want to go home and leave my kids and mum here? Such a worry. These are such uncertain times. And
1: what date was this?
0: This was March the 9th.
1: This was
0: Purim. This was actually Purim. This was Purim. And it was a very strange Purim because actually if you look back you'll see that Purim was when it really started for for all of us. This is this is when people got infected very badly because you know, the suitors were going on. There was parties going on. It was bound to happen, and it did. Purim was the time when when people got infected, and we went to um, we went to a party at the bec- at the shul, and it was in in Manchester, and it was great fun and everything else. And everyone was on top of each other, and everyone was trying not to be, but they were. And I'm sure lots of people caught the virus from that very one, just one small event. Um, I've written here in my diary on March the 10th. The news here is getting worse and worse, and Italy seems to be having more cases than everywhere else, and they will for sure be going into lockdown. What is lockdown anyway?
1: I thought. Wow, so th- again, these words that we're now so accustomed to, particularly in not only English, but for you and I in Israel, we've got all of these extra words that we've learned yeah. that we never knew before. Um, right. And, and, and this, this concept of being personally limited by law, was completely alien at that stage. I mean, this was the stuff of, you know, Second World War or bomb shelters or, you know, unfortunately we experience some of these things sometimes here in Israel when there are, you know, these unfortunate, uh, you know, missile attacks. But, you know, the idea of being locked in is, is a big mental health alarm that, you know, has impacted many people um, in, in different ways, but we didn't even understand at that stage.
0: Exactly. When I said, when they said lockdown, I thought, what is, what is it? What can it be? Anyway, um, so I put in my diary here that the co- coronavirus is now being labelled a pandemic, a pandemic, pandemic I can't say the word, pandemic. And every day, more and more people are dying and are testing positive for the virus, and still no vaccine. I'm so worried about the wedding. What will happen? We have 450 people all looking forward to coming to Tally and Zach's wedding on March the 22nd. I'm spending as much time with mummy as possible.
1: You've got, you're sort of fighting a, a, you know, brackets war on a few fronts. You've got, you know, Yoni and Angela, he's had or still has Corona. You've got obviously wanting to see and care for your mum and the impending wedding and the impact of all of that. And then you've got Martin coming into the UK from Israel where they're saying lockdown. I mean, this is a, you know, a a situation where you're you're dealing with a few, few things.
0: Exactly, exactly. And on March the 12th, I put, COVID-19 is galloping along at an alarming rate. And now all the schools in Israel have been shut. And here in the UK, everyone is panic buying. I went shopping with Dussy, that's my youngest granddaughter, to Sainsbury's and the shelves were empty. For some unknown reason, people are buying excessive amounts of toilet paper. And that is something I just can't work out. <laughs> my toilet paper, maybe they're making pizza with a toilet paper base. Nicol is getting so anxious, what will happen, read the wedding in two weeks, and we don't know what to do. We're thinking of staying here until after Pesach, which is another month away, and hopefully by then the virus will be over. Oh, boy. Uh,
1: (laughs) uh, What a statement.
0: I know, I know. And March 13th, oh my God, this coronavirus is gathering momentum and the news is not good. Martin has told me that we need to leave the UK as soon as possible. I'm heartbroken. I want to stay with my kids, but Martin says it's too dangerous. Simon, that's my son-in-law, is really not good, and I'm quite worried about him. For Tully and Zach, this is all so difficult, not knowing what will happen regarding their wedding.
1: But at this stage, sorry to interrupt you, Karen, but at this stage, you're in Manchester, and you're on the pathway to a wedding. I mean, everyone's thinking about the wedding, who's coming to the wedding, where it's gonna be, um, and and no one yet had an inkling of any further measures. I mean, Martin's suggesting that you 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 leave. Uh, was that a leave, get back to Israel, and we're gonna miss the wedding? I mean, how did you feel?
0: No, he, he meant the moment the wedding was over,
1: we're oh, off. Okay.
0: And um, actually the wedding, um, well, It says, what have I put here? I don't know. So so it goes on. It now seems that Yanni has definitely got the virus and is really sick. I'm so worried about him. Not to mention the fact that I was hugging and kissing him last week when I saw him. Dassey came for breakfast at my house. I love it when the kids come here. I wish we weren't selling it. Actually, I'm really fed up. Everything is so depressing. We Went round to Risa and Zalman's, that's friends, for an amazing lunch. And of course, everyone was talking about the virus and it was making me very nervous. We came home and Simon was terribly sick. Tonight we made a decision in light of the fact that the virus is indeed moving very quickly to bring the wedding forward to Thursday this week. I pray everything will work out okay. So we, yeah, we've brought the wedding forward.
1: Wow, all of that planning and, you know, a wedding isn't a simple operation And, and you've got to suddenly juggle all of the different moving parts that create a wedding and move them forward by what two weeks
0: yeah about yeah about 10 days I mean what you see we were hearing about people making weddings and people not going to the weddings or going and not holding hands when they're dancing and stuff like that and Nicola and Simon are very responsible people and there was no way they were gonna do anything that was either against the law or, well, they hadn't brought a law out just yet. Although they were starting to. If I remember rightly, Boris Johnson who came on the television every single day and he was making statements about, um, you can only have um, a gathering of 50 people. That I think that was what, right, around right about that time, it was a gathering of 50 people only. And then I remember he made this, this very dramatic statement when he said, you have to understand that ma- many of you are going to lose a lot of loved ones at this time. And it was like this, and it was such a statesman's speech, but it's scary. And I'm thinking, it can't be. But of course it was. I mean, it really, really was. So we, it was very, very difficult. I put here on March the 15th. It's all so difficult and emotional. I'm in such a state, packing up my house as it's sold. And the buyers want us out by April. I'm trying to be brave, but actually it's a big thing giving up my home in Manchester, having lived here all my life. It doesn't help that I'm worried about Yanni as he's really not very well at all and I just wish I could be with him. I can't bear the fact that he's not well and quite obviously has the virus. Tally and Zach are being amazing, so brave, and we've now agreed to have the wedding on Wednesday evening, which is okay, and then we can fly home on Thursday morning. I can't fight Martin anymore. So many more people have died. The numbers are going up, and we need to get home. And then March the 16th, And so the pressure continues. Everyone is so tense. It's only Monday and we have to get through to Wednesday. And this was the whole thing. It was Monday and Tally was like, what happens if they make it only 10 people? You know, and it was like every night watching, watching the news to see what is going to actually happen. It was horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And once again, I went shopping with Sammy, that's my grandson and Dusty to Sainsbury's. And once again, the shelves were mostly empty. I mean, there was literally nothing there. Especially toilet paper. Still haven't worked out what people are doing with thousands of rolls of toilet paper I've put here. Um, and then uh, tonight Tully's friends came round and they tried to make us some kind of a head night. The world has gone mad and I've never seen Nicola and Simon so stressed. Gosh, I hope they're not going to be mad about all this.
1: <laughs> the, the The time of a wedding obviously is completely joyous and of course there are pre-wedding pressures that everybody faces like normal but this this was something else is what I'm hearing this is a very very tense period Um, people aren't feeling the excitement of an impending family wedding it's just how do we get to the finish line um, to to, to ensure that this actually happens and I think what what you're sharing here is You know, we shouldn't sugarcoat this period for you or for anybody, really. This is a difficult time. There are decisions that need to be made and you're sort of rushing these moments through. I would say, though, just from a personal point of view hearing you, there are so many names and grandchildren and lots of other people that you're mentioning. Your life is rich of people. And family thankfully and it's great to hear you you know really interacting with all of them there's you know lots of shopping lots of shopping with Karen I think we could have another podcast which is shopping with Karen
0: yeah that would be a good one yeah great especially if it's Dusty's with me she loves shopping her favorite world <laughs> is Tesco's but anyway that's that's her story um so now we get through to March the 18th Tully and Zach's wedding day or so I thought when I woke up this morning I will never forget this day as long as I live. Simon woke up feeling dreadful and had all the symptoms of COVID-19. A neighbor of Nicola's came around and saw the marquee going up. Oh yes, I forgot to tell you that we we put the wedding, we'd we'd shrunk the wedding to I think 20 people and we were having it in Nicola's garden in a a marquee. And she arranged all this, Nicola, I mean, she's amazing. She arranged it in in like hours. And the marquee people were, were putting up this marquee with a beautiful white carpet and the doorbell rings and this woman comes to the door and she says, hello, Um, I'm sorry to um, disturb you. I'm your new neighbor, I live blah, blah, blah. And we've just moved in here. My husband is a surgeon, a lung surgeon at the local hospital and he's spending all day watching people dying from Um, COVID-19. And seeing you doing this, I'm begging you, please do not Go ahead with this event, whatever you're making, don't do it. Because you know, just by the very fact that you're all together, you can infect people and it could, they could end up in my husband's ward in, um, in, in the hospital there. And Nicola just felt terrible. She was just like, oh my God. And then when Simon virtually could hardly walk, I mean, he just felt so ill that they phoned the rabbi and the rabbi said, I'm sorry, you've got to cancel the wedding.
1: Wow, I mean, this is a bombshell of extraordinary proportions for all of you, not least the bride and groom to be i mean this is this is you know in, in some respects, this lady who knocked is a sort of messenger, an angel just sort of coming to share the the message of be careful, we don't know what we're dealing with here, but at the same time, you know we've all got married, we want to get married and uh is you know an incredible time in your life even if it is just with 20 people but this is it you're, you're coming to the crunch moment of we can't go ahead
0: no it was absolutely it was just heartbreaking you know you've got this this young couple this they're the cutest couple ever which will kill me for saying that but they are and um and you know they've been waiting for a long time and all i'll ever, never forget is tally lying on the bed crying with her wedding dress hanging on the side of the, um, the wardrobe there, ready to be, she pop into it. And it, it was about six or seven hours before the wedding when um, we called it off. Well, I didn't, they called it off. Oh, it was pretty gruesome, I can tell you, pretty gruesome there um, were a lot of tears, but it was the right thing to do, unfortunately. I can see that now, but at the time I was spitting feathers. We must find a way, we've got to find a way, find another rabbi. Don't do, don't say no, don't say no, we've got to do it, we've got to get them married. But you know what? It wasn't, it wasn't their time. It was not their time.
1: But this is this is not like days or even weeks before. This is hours before you've got guests arriving and a wedding that's supposed to take place.
0: Yeah, well, the main guests, you know, friends and stuff had been cancelled because of the numbers being shrunk. So we had family members coming up from London, and they had to be cancelled, told not to come, or they're on the way and turned back or whatever it was. And um, yeah, it was that was it. You mean you can't imagine how awful it was because I sat at Nicholas all day and watched them taking the marquee down, they're taking it down bit by bit, marching out of the house with this thing, when you know, this was the the day and it wasn't gonna happen.
1: Do you no. feel that when you dip, dip into the diary, I know it's not that long ago, but you know, just looking at your diaries over you know these decades, the way you've explained it and written so far, does it take you really back to the moment? Do you really f- feel like you're there?
0: Yeah, I do, I really do. I don't think, I always said, and I wrote it in my diary that I don't think I've said here, I couldn't bear to see the kids in pain in all my life, I will never forget the sight of Tali, Tali crying in her bed with her beautiful wedding dress hanging on the door. But it wasn't to be, and I won't. I won't ever forget that. It was. It was pretty. It was. It was just. It was awful. It was awful. And then, of course, you know, um, Martin then said to me, "That's it, Karen. We've got to go tomorrow." And I was like, "Oh no! But what, when? When they might get married next week? The virus could be over by next week." Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So you were literally scooped off to the airport the next day. Oh.
0: Episode,
1: day. Three. episode three. Episode <laughs> wow. So so we're going to be rejoining at episode three. We're we're now towards the you know middle end of March coming in, and um, the whole next stage of this Corona diary continues. But I think what you've shared with us today is a real insight into the impact that the virus has on all of the other things that we take for granted in our lives, um, like getting married and being able to host people and in those celebrations. Um, obviously, it compares not at all to losing people, but this virus has infiltrated every single part of our life. And your diary is just showing us the, the tentacles that corona has on the activities that we, 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 as I say, take for granted and, um, you know, big moments, big emotional moments that are turned upside down. And, uh, you know, we, we all sort of come from this episode really feeling for Tully, who uh, I know what happens next. So I'll save that for later. But um, thanks for sharing another great episode, Karen.
0: Thank you, Rob. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope I haven't bored you too much.